This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And welcome on into this week's edition of the MLB Pipeline Podcast. I am your host, Jordan Schusterman, joined as always by our favorite prospect dynamic duo, Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo on different sides of the country at the moment. Jonathan, where are you reporting from? Scottsdale, Arizona, my home away from home. Oh, of course. And you have been or down so there it seems. Uh, for, for almost a week now and still uh, a few more days to go. Uh, Jim, I, I assume you are still uh, reporting uh, from, from outside Chicago? Uh, yes, I am. I, I don't know if I'm reporting anything uh, breaking <laughs> today, but uh, uh, and I will be traveling to Scottsdale on Saturday. I mean, okay. sorry, Sunday. I got my days confused. Okay, so you guys will will uh, will will just just pass each other uh, in Arizona as as Jim gets the final leg of the Arizona Fall League. So obviously we have plenty more Fall League action to discuss. Uh, last time we talked was right before the Fall Stars game, so Jonathan's going to give us uh, some of the rundown from that. Uh, we're also going to talk about uh, the RoboUmps, which we have not talked about for for a few weeks here on the Pipeline Podcast, but we had a bit of an incident uh, with Giants prospect Jacob Hayward that we wanted to talk about that was rather amusing. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the, the stars of the the Major League postseason and, and some some fun prospect retrospectives on them, including a, a Arizona Fall League tie in there. Uh, and then we're going to send it to two Fall League interviews, one that Jonathan did with Angels prospect Brandon Marsh and one that I did when I was down in Phoenix a couple weeks ago with uh, this week's uh, Fall League Pitcher of the Week, Sterling Sharp. Of course, at that point, he didn't know he was about to win Pitcher of the Week, but that was a fun interview with the Nationals prospect as well. Uh, but let's start with the Fall Stars game, which happened uh, last weekend, Jonathan, you were down there for it. Uh, obviously, all the all the best best fall leaguers in one game, and you know it's it's usually uh, maybe a little bit pitching slanted because there's a new pitcher every inning and not exactly high scoring. But uh, you have an article on Pipeline the ten uh, standout performers from from this game, and and let's let's not even start with the so Royce Lewis wins MVP. We've talked plenty about Royce Lewis on this show, number one overall pick. He's awesome. He just won Player of the Week this week. There's not much more to say about Royce Lewis. I think we all agree he's really awesome. But let's talk about some of the other the, the breakout stars of this. And let's start with, with uh, I believe, the number nine guy on your list, Jonathan, a Rangers pitching prospect, Cole Uvula. Who is Cole Uvula? Tell me about Cole Uvula. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I don't, you know, one of the things that's funny because doing the broadcast of this game was I felt that I kept kind of saying over and over, well, here's another sort of overachieving late round college reliever type. Uh, and if you like uh, spin rate, then, and who doesn't really? Uh, Cole, Cole Uvula is, is your guy. Um, he, he, he got Joe Adele on a curveball that had a spin rate of over 3,300 RPM. Now, that's just one curveball. It's not, you know, uh, but he's been outside of uh, last night, the game I was at, um, as we record this, he wasn't, particularly sharp but he's been really really good and that curveball has been absolutely nasty now to give you some context and i put this in the story uh of all curveballs in major league baseball tracked by statcast only 4.6 percent 
had spin rates of over 3,000 RPM. Um, and he threw another one that was like close to 3,000. So uh, that is a big league out pitch right, right now. Um, so, and he was one of many uh, relievers who came in and showed what they could could do. Um, but that that breaking ball was just absolutely nasty. Yeah, and you I, know what's I, interesting about him too, Jonathan, is I, I don't I, I wasn't at the game, so I didn't see his velo. But I mean, he throws in the mid nineties too. And mm-hmm. I mean, this is a guy who has about as low a prospect pedigree <laughs> as you can have. He was a a twenty four year old fifth year senior. So oh, my man. guess is he was probably the oldest player in the 2018 draft. Signed for $1,000 in the 40th round. He was one of the last players taken in the draft. And he, he's a driveline baseball guy. He went to driveline. He increased his velocity. He increased his spin rates. You know, he, he had a dominant season this year between two Class A levels where he struck out 95 guys in 64 and two-thirds innings, and opponents only hit 160 off of him. And, you know, I do our Rangers stuff, and one of the tough things about doing the Rangers list is they have a ton of these guys like Demarcus Evans and Joe Barlow and Emmanuel Classe. They have just a ton of relievers who are just destroying hitters in the minors, especially the lower level of the minors. But, you know, his stuff is real. And, I mean, just it, it, it's pretty amazing. You know, a year ago, anybody could have drafted this guy in, in the first 39 rounds, and they didn't, and he signed for $1,000, super old. And he's just been tremendous as a pro. I want to, you know, one of the guys that said, you know, the only guy who might be able to challenge Yula in terms of lack of prospect status is Ashton Godot of the Rockies, um, who also pitched in the Fall Stars game. And uh, the thing that sticks out more than anything is we had Shane Baz in, in, in the booth. Uh, one of the best things about the Fall League is access. And so literally Shane Baz pitched the sixth through, you know, 140 miles an hour and then came to the booth in the seventh. Um, and I asked him about, you know, being able to pick the brain of a guy like Godot, uh, who's on his team in the fall league. And he said, he's, he's a tall drink of water. That's how our, that's how the happening started. But he is a guy who is a, uh, a minor league free agent signing by, by the Rockies. They've already re-signed him because even though he got hurt, he pitched so, he pitched so well uh mostly in a starting role and he's been pitching out of the bullpen here and he's been good uh they they uh they re-signed him i I, you know he'd be an interesting guy to watch as we get closer to rule five time because they're not gonna put him on the 40-man roster but he's had some success at the upper levels he's been really good here um so he he may challenge uvula in terms of lack of prospectiness uh before getting to the fall league and he now, didn't make I, my top 10 performers. I have to say, I, Jim, I believe when we were down there uh, together, we saw Goudeau pitch, I believe, at least in, in one of those games. I know I know he came up at one point. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's a good one. Also, Ashton Goudeau, same junior college as uh, as Albert Pujols in Kansas Maybe City. So, so there you go. Um, but, yeah, he's he's bounced around. He was with the Royals. He was with the Mariners last year. And then the Rockies picked him up. Uh, and then also Col- Cole Uvula, not only was he that – I mean, he was literally 40th round. So we're talking – the end of the end of the end. I mean, that's as, 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 as the, you yeah. know, we haven't, we haven't had many of those, uh, you know, that are get to make it. I will also say on the spin rate note that, you know, some people hear like, Oh, what does it mean? Like, I can't tell that that's a lot. Like if you watch the Cole Uvalis curveball, you're like, Oh yeah, that's a crazy curveball. <laughs> you don't have yeah. to be told uh, that it has a spin rate of over 3000 RPM. Uh, so that is, that is a great one. 
I did want to ask about a guy who do, who has had a fair fair amount of, of prospect pedigree uh, and had a big Fall Stars game, Tyler Stevenson with the Reds. Uh, I know high school catchers haven't had exactly the best, um, uh, I would say, track record over the last few years in terms of turning into productive big leaguers. And Tyler Stevenson didn't have exactly the best start to his pro career, but he had a big Fall Stars game, a huge home run uh, that he hit to center field in this game, and he's he's really turned it around this year. Um, he's, I mean, it feels like he's really reestablished himself as one of the best catching prospects in baseball. Is that, is that fair to say, Jonathan? I'm not sure which one of you guys does the Reds list or if that's Mike, but, uh, Stevenson's a guy that definitely interests me. Uh, I, I do the Reds list. Um, well, actually Mark Sheldon really did the Reds list this year as we did that with a couple of teams, but I did it sort of in concert with him and I've been doing the Reds list for a while. So yeah, I, I you know, in some ways I feel like we've been talking about Tyler Stevenson for a really long time. Right. Um, and there wasn't much to say, you know, he kept getting hurt and he wasn't performing and you kept trying to say, well, you need to have patience, uh, because he is a high school catcher and there's a lot to learn. Um, he is, you know, not your typical, uh, catcher in terms of size. Um, but yeah, I feel like this year was the year that he started to figure things out. Um, and it continued to, to show well here in the, in the fall league. His approach has gotten better. Uh, that home run he hit in the fall league, you know, that's one thing that hasn't shown up a ton is the power, but I, I think it's there. I think he's going to end up being, a you know, assuming that he can stay healthy, I think he's going to be a solid big league regular. Uh, you know, it's funny. I think that the interesting thing in, with him is, you know, this is his, his year to be protected on the 40-man. And if he hadn't had the year that he had this year along with his fall league, he may have been a guy that they would have left off uh, just because catchers tend not to stick and he had, hadn't had any success uh, above A ball and all those kind of things. But now, to me, he's a, a slam dunk for their 40-man roster. Yeah, and I would say that that he's, uh, like I said, high school catchers, it feels like we've had a lot of guys that they end up getting rule fived or, or released. Or I mean, it's... It's it's nice to see him uh, him performing. I, I'm just a little disappointed. I know his his best friend in the system was was Taylor Trammell, and he of course got traded. So it's too bad we don't get to see them uh, come up together. But it is possible we will be seeing uh, Mr. Stevenson in the big leagues uh, sooner rather than later. So uh, nice to see him doing well down in Arizona. Uh, all right, let's talk about something uh, that has certainly drawn a lot of attention. I think outside of the people that normally uh, you know follow the fall league, which is the fact that they are using or at least testing. Uh, robot umpires in Arizona, and we had a very funny uh, situation. This happened already a few times, I think, down here, but one that went a little bit more viral of uh, Jacob Hayward, brother of Jason Hayward, who's an outfielder in the Giants organization, getting thrown out of the game for arguing balls and strikes uh, with the robot umpire. So if if you've never seen this or don't really know how this works, um, there is still an umpire standing behind home plate, and the the umpire basically receives, I believe, uh, like like a beep if it's a strike or if it's a ball. Uh, and so they they call the strike on a calls and strikes on a little bit of a delay based on on uh, on the the robots basically. And so Mr. Hayward did not like one of these calls, and so uh, he decided to, I guess, yell at the real umpire, even though the real umpire wasn't calling anything. And uh, and that was that. Then he got gets thrown out by the umpire who wasn't even calling balls and strikes. So uh, Jonathan, Jimmy, we we've both seen games that that have been called uh, by by the robot umpires and. Actually, Jim, I'll go to you first. What is what has been your uh, reaction to the to the robot umpires so far, uh, and and how do you like them? Are there parts that you do like about them? What has been your reaction? Yeah, I I, I, I do like the concept of them. I mean, this whole notion that we need 
the human element as much as possible in baseball or, or other sports, I don't get. I mean, if you can easily implement technology and make the game better, called more accurately, you should definitely do that, I, I think. That's my opinion on it. And I, so I don't have a problem with it. I think it's going to take a few years to work out all the kinks. Um, the, the fall league is, you know, it's not just baseball's finishing school. It's also baseball's laboratory, and they've tested all kinds of things there over the years. And, and so it makes sense to test it there now. And it's, you know, it, I, I mean, I've wondered as much as I like baseball. Over the years, you, know, you watch baseball, and batters go ballistic if you call a strike above the belt. And if you look at what the rule book defines a strike zone, it's clearly a strike if it's over the plate. Were you at that game, Jonathan, when it happened? I was not, but I have seen the video. I was just trying to look at it here while we were podcasting and I couldn't see a clear part where it showed why he got ejected. I, unless he like, I don't understand why the umpire would have ejected him. Like, you know, even if he let out some expletives about the call, he's not cursing the umpire. He's cursing the system. And well, if he's arguing balls and strikes, you get tossed. That's you don't the get rule. tossed immediately every time. Look, you see people yelling at the umpires all the time, and as long as you kind of are quick about it, that's what I'm saying. Unless he went histrionics, I don't know why he had to be ejected. Because I guarantee you – I mean, we see in the fall league, you'll see in the playoff game that's on tonight and, and the rest of the way, managers are always you know, barking at the umpires about calls. You don't just automatically get tossed the first time you do it. So I'm, I'm curious at how demonstrative he was because if he gets tossed for that – we both know, we, everybody's kind of laughed about the fact that, that, you know, Perdomo, you know, the shortstop in the Dimebacks it's, uh, organization, who I think you talked to yesterday, Geraldo Perdomo, Jonathan, yeah. is kind of a sleeper prospect, very famously, I think, in one of the first games of the season, flipped off the press box after well, what He happened. didn't flip off the press box. He gestured towards the press box. There was okay. no flipping. Uh, okay. Well, maybe there is maybe, a difference. Okay, you're right. You're right. But again, if he's you know that that's demonstrative. You know, I, I don't know. Yes. It seems to me I don't know why the umpire had to toss, you know, Jacob Hayward for this. So I, you know, not having been there, I don't know exactly. My my understanding is that it went on for some time, and then after he got tossed, it continued, um, because you know with the. Uh, you know, it's all River Fields, the clubhouse isn't through the dugout. So he had to wait to the end of the inning and then had to walk down the line. So evidently he had some more things to say. So I don't think it was just that he said one thing in frustration. And so he got tossed, although I'm not 100 percent sure. Um, the thing that I've heard from players, mostly both pitchers and hitters, is that they feel that it's been really good for the in and out, but that the up and down has been uh, inconsistent. Um, and if you look at the pitch to Hayward, uh, I see I, there were some pitches you know, that I've seen that I thought were worse cases than this one, because uh, this was a fairly nasty breaking ball. Um, and I think it's the, it's the breaking ball that really has a sharp break late that is causing some issues. Um, and that's something that they that they'll have to uh, you know adjust to as they con- you know continue to to tweak this sort of thing to, to get it to be absolutely right. Cause if it's not going to be absolutely right, then I don't think there's a point. I, my biggest disappointment is I was really thinking that there was going to be like a Peter Weller, like RoboCop behind the plate. Um, and that's not what this is. Yeah. See, I think is, though, we talked about I, that. I, I want to get back. To you, if you look at the pitch, cause it's calling it where it crosses the plate, not where it ends up. And the pitch ends up, you know, close to the dirt. But if it comes over the plate above the knees, it's a strike. I mean, the problem isn't 
so much. I don't think what the robo umps are calling. It's what the hitters are accustomed to having called because, you know, right. J- Jordan and I were at a game that the famous Navajo, Novahoa uh, win, uh, the only Mexican team that, that won a game in the fall league this year. And there were a couple con- like you saw a couple times hitters take exception with, kind of there's like a slight delay sometimes and there were a couple times it seemed like an especially dramatic delay before they rang the guy up um like i don't know if it was a delay getting the call to the umpire or he just paused for a minute to be to add to add a little effect and they didn't like that but the problem is they've been basically calling a bs strike zone for years like they don't call the definition of the rule book strike zone and now that they're calibrating the the robo umps you know, the, to, to the, the rule text, the, the rule book strike zone, everybody's upset. And, and my understanding is in the Atlantic league, they initially calibrated it to the very top of the strike zone. And the strike zone was so tall that it was just impossible. So they had to kind of, you know, lower the top of the strike zone. But again, they're, they're just setting, I mean, I'm not saying it's perfect technology, but they're calling strikes as defined in the rule book, which is what the umpires have supposed to have been doing. And they haven't. So I, I don't. I, I'm for it. I, I kind of. I, I'm not up in arms, but I think it's kind of silly that you know. There's. I mean, it's an advantage. So yeah, I'd want to have it too if I were team. You know, this whole notion of framing and stealing strikes. How about if we just call a strike a strike and a ball a ball? Like like that. That's fine with me. I, so I have no problem with it. I, they just need some time to iron out the kinks. Right. It's funny after you know all the data that they've done on framing and. Catchers who are good framing, it's a marketable skill and that could go out the window eventually. Uh, I will leave you with this. This was the best takeaway from Shane Baz's half inning in the uh, in the booth with us. The players on Salt River, at least, call the robo-ump Karen. little nod to SpongeBob there for you. Um, if you're not a SpongeBob wow. fan, you won't get that. But uh, I didn't get it at all. So. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to go. Uh, Karen, well, I'm not even going to bother explaining this, but I uh, – but I would have gone with um, Whopper, to, you know, uh, with a nod to War Games, Jim. Mm. That's a little more in our wheelhouse. Okay. Um, uh, or uh, I think at one point I tweeted I used Skynet uh, with a little Terminator reference there I for like you. That so. one. I like yeah. I, I, I vote for Skynet. There are a lot of options, and as you as you mentioned, John, that we also discussed the, the notion that there should be an actual robot standing behind home. Uh, yes. Yeah, we don't. We, we don't have to make uh, the actual umpire get into it because the you know the regular robot's gonna go take as much as much uh, heat from the players as it can. They're they're not gonna throw anybody out. They're just gonna stand there. Um, <laughs> but yes, plenty plenty of nicknames uh, possibilities. Uh, and uh, yeah, it is it is certainly certainly interesting. All right, no more no more robot up chat. I know that that only uh, goes so far. It is very interesting, and I'm sure the conversation will continue. Uh, but let's talk about the actual the actual baseball players. Let's talk let's talk about some more of them. And uh, I wanted to do uh, uh, some quick uh, kind of you know little prospect time machine, uh, and specifically uh, one with a folly tie-in. Uh, we saw the Nationals advance to the World Series for the first time in their franchise's history, and their MVP was none other than I guess. Not who you would expect. It was Howie Kendrick, who has been awesome uh, for really his entire career, but has never exactly been the superstar that maybe some once predicted for him. Uh, but Jonathan, you said that that you had a good Howie Kendrick story. I know he played in the fall league at one point and was pretty good down there. Uh, so so tell us about uh, a young Howard Kendrick. It's uh, <laughs> it's it's funny because I um, I was thinking about it, you know, as we were getting ready for the Fall Stars game, and I'm like, man, I remember when he was here and he was so good. Uh, and covering him when he was here and he must have played in the fall stars game 
except that it was so long ago, it was before the Fall Stars game existed. Um, oh, he played man. in two thousand. Pre Fall Stars game era. Yeah. He, he, he is, played. Yeah. yeah, he played in two thousand and five. Um, and you know, I don't know if anyone ever predicted superstardom. He was a tenth round pick, and you know, uh, out of out of junior college, and he always hit everywhere. And I remember, like, he hit like crazy in the Pioneer League. And I was like, well, let's see if he keeps doing it. And he just kept doing it. He hit 380 in the Fall League um, and then was up in the big leagues the following year. And he's hit you know, pretty much his whole career. He's had a good career. But <clears throat> back then, this was before blogs or, or podcasts or anything like that. We had players do first-person like journals for the site. And he was one of a group of players that year who did – uh, the journals. And so as a thank you close to the end, we were, you know, in Arizona must've been close to the championship game or whatever. we said, we're going to bring the players, uh, you know, take them out for dinner. I said, thank you. We weren't paying them or anything. The only player who came to dinner was Howie Kendrick. So um, we, I had dinner with Howie Kendrick that evening and it was, we had a, we had a lovely time. He was a, he was a very nice young man. That's and then, and then the following winter, he came to the rookie career development program and didn't realize that he needed a uh, a jacket to go to the to the Capitol. So I drove him to Men's Warehouse so he could buy a jacket. So those are my connections to Howie Kendrick, NLCS MVP. That very is, nice guy. That is a great that is a great story. Very personal uh, and yes. very uh, very very charming though. Even all these years later, he he does seem to be loved by his teammates. Um, and uh, that that's great. That's that is a that is a great Howie Kendrick story. So that that lived up to the billing there, Jonathan. I, I thank you very say. much. I gotta say, uh, now, now, Jim, I don't know how how personal of a story you have uh, for the two postseason stars that that you said that you wanted to talk about. Um, but two two of the other uh, more bigger names, uh, no offense to to Howie Kendrick, that have certainly uh, taken the center stage this October, have of course been Garrett Cole, who seems to be the greatest pitcher that I've ever seen, uh, and Max Scherzer, who is also pretty close to that. Uh, now, both of these guys had pretty interesting uh, draft signing stories um, for for slightly different reasons. Um, but did you wanna did you wanna touch on on, on one over the other? Because I know both of them uh, took some pretty interesting journeys. Both of them were first round picks. But uh, which one do you want to talk about first? Well, let's do. Well, we'll do Garrett Cole briefly. Yeah. Because uh, Max is a little bit, I think, more involved. And mm-hmm. I actually have some Arizona Arizona Fall League anecdote related to to Max Scherzer. I did not see Garrett Cole in the Fall League, although he did pitch there um, as well. But uh, you know, Garrett Cole, you know, one of the f- rare two-time first-round picks. You know, it was drafted in the first round out of high school by the Yankees, and then became the number one overall pick out of UCLA by the um, by the Pirates in, in 2011. And what's interesting about Cole coming out of high school is it, it, it was weird because at the time he had a reputation. I don't know if he was aloof, but but there were makeup issues which seem silly now because everybody talks about what a great teammate he is and what an intelligent guy and he works hard but he did have like not that he was into anything you know bad off the field but just like a personality type makeup issues coming out of high school so there were some teams a little skittish of that and then he was considered you know a very tough sign because he was committed to UCLA and he had Scott Boris as an agent but I've always wondered just talking to people you know the the Yankees were very respectful and did not put a full court press on Garrett Cole coming out of high school after they took him toward the end of the first round. Um, they were respectful about it and they kind of approached him 
late in the summer. But by doing that, he'd kind of made up his mind, I think, to go to UCLA, and they weren't able to get the deal done. And now it's it's possible, yeah, they're down two games to one, that they may be, you know, uh, you know, he may wind up being the reason that, that they get eliminated or a major reason that they get eliminated from going to the World Series, you know, but he, he very easily could have been a Yankee. They, they just couldn't get the deal done. And I don't think it was a, a case of them not offering enough money. I just think by the time they put, you know, the, 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 the serious offer on the table, he was committed to going to UCLA. I will also say that he very well still could be a Yankee when he is a free agent this offseason <laughs> and commands what I assume will be the biggest contract a pitcher has ever signed. Uh, but there will be a huge bidding war for him, so uh, it will not just be the Yankees uh, going for Mr. Cole if they're interested in getting him uh, again you know, 10 or so years later. But anyway, I just wanted to, to say, you're right, though, that that would be interesting if he is, you know, obviously or it looks like one of the main reasons uh, they could be eliminated. Uh, but okay, but, but Max Scherzer's journey was a little bit more complicated than just the, oh, you know, he might not sign um, because he was picked out of, out of college. And but he then he didn't sign right away. So th- this is a story that I'm not totally clear on. So please enlighten us all about the the Max Scherzer, uh, uh, you know, how how he finally ended up in Arizona Diamondback. Yeah, and, and it's interesting. And it's interesting. It, it, basically, Mike Rizzo um, is the reason both you know that he's in Arizona and he's in Washington. But you know, in the 2006 draft going into the year, you know, Scherzer was supposed to be the top right-hander in the draft. And he slammed a door on the middle finger's pitching hand, missed a start early in the year, and then he had biceps tendonitis, so he missed five starts. And his stuff was good, but not great as it had been when he was a sophomore at Missouri and Team USA. So there's a little question, and he had Boris as well, as like to where exactly he was going to go in the draft. And I remember talking to Mike Rizzo, who was Dimeback's scouting director at the time. And Mike, like Andrew Miller, was the consensus top prospect in that year's draft. And I don't remember if Mike had sure he he Rizzo Mike Rizzo loved you know Mike Rizzo now obviously the GM of the, the Nationals loved Max Scherzer and I can't remember if he had him ahead of Andrew Miller but I know at worst he had him number two like I, I think he told me if Miller was gone like if Miller was gone he takes Scherzer over anybody else in the draft for sure um, so he loved Scherzer and there was there was a signability question and if I remember correctly I think. Mike kind of fudged what they thought it was going to take to sign Scherzer to get ownership to sign off on drafting him. And then <laughs> famously uh, he didn't sign. And back then there, there, there was no signing deadline. The sign deadline came in actually uh, with the next year's draft. And he went and pitched the signing deadline at that point was you were no longer eligible once you set foot on campus. Well, you know what the solution to that is. You, 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 I mean, it wasn't camp. I shouldn't say campus. Set foot in a classroom on campus. He just didn't go back to school. So he went and pitched uh, for the independent Fort Worth Cats. And you had until a week before the draft to sign him. And at the la- last day they had the chance to sign him, Arizona gave him a $3 million bonus and $4.3 million total in guaranteed money and $1.5 million in, in roster bonuses, which he was going to get. Um, so they got him done. You know, And, and w- w- I remember I saw him pitch in the fall league that fall in 2007. And I say this all time. I mean, obviously mechanics matter and effort matters, but I also don't think we really know what gets pitchers hurt. What doesn't, because I, I, I've never ever seen a pitcher throw with a more pronounced head whack than Max Scherzer did in the fall league. Like his head was like bouncing off his shoulder. Almost. That's how much of a, a head whack he had. And, and the stuff looked great. And he dominated the fall league. 
And every scout I talked to said, said some version of love the arm. Diamondbacks need to make that guy a reliever and get him to the big leagues real quick because he's going to blow out. There's no way he's going to stay healthy with that kind of that kind of effort. And and he has toned it down some, but it's still not smooth. But he's basically been healthy his whole you know whole career, which will eventually land him in the Hall of Fame. And you know, fast forwarding to when he became a free agent in 2014. I wasn't at all surprised that he signed with the Nationals, where, where Rizzo was was then, you know, and still is the GM, because Mike Rizzo has absolutely loved this guy. And I don't think when when did Rizzo go to to, to the Nationals? Do we we remember exactly? It was Let's long see. before, I would say, pretty because he was he was the assistant GM there, right, for like a year or two, right, before taking the helm. Yeah, you know um, when he joined him, he joined him in two thousand seven. So he joined them after they signed Scherzer in 2007, that offseason, I believe. Because I was going to say, while he would not have been the GM in Arizona, I have to imagine that Mike Rizzo would have been banging his fist on the table, screaming no, when the Diamond, when the Tigers traded Scherzer. I mean, when the Diamondbacks traded Scherzer to the Tigers to get. I think Edwin Jackson and Ian Kennedy. Like I, I, I just can't imagine. I think Mike Rizzo would have been going berserk had had he been with Arizona at the time. So right, um, he never would have let that happen. Yeah. So it, you know, if he could have, because it's. Uh, but in any case, it's just it, it's always kind of fascinated me looking back that that, that Mike Rizzo absolutely loved Max Scherzer as much as anybody in 2006, oh. any scouting director. And then when he got the chance to get him again as, as a, you know, and it wasn't cheap. I mean, I they, know they've deferred a lot of his money. Rizzo jumped on it again, and, he, and he's had five great years for the Nationals and, and helped pitch him to the World Series. Yeah. For, uh, for, for the record, that was a three-team trade, right? So he was traded with Daniel Schlereth right. to the Tigers. The Tigers sent Curtis Granderson to the Yankees and sent Edwin Jackson to the Diamondbacks. So, Jim, kudos to you for remembering that. The Yankees sent Phil Coke and Austin Jackson to the Tigers, and then the Yankees sent Ian Kennedy to the Diamondbacks. You yeah, got I, mean, I just can't imagine he would have. He, he, I mean, yeah. again, he wouldn't have been the GM, but I think he would have just gone nuts. Right. I uh, think you are. I think you are correct. And Max Scherzer, by the way, is in the Hall of Fame, the Arizona Fall League Hall of Fame. Oh yeah, I remember. He he. he that was recently that they. Uh, I remember seeing yeah, like a picture of him down there. A couple of years ago. Yep. Oh man, that's great. Well, he will certainly be in Cooperstown as well. Uh, Jim, thank you for taking us on that journey. That is amazing. The one, the one fun fact uh, that I wanted to drop. I mean, you you kind of you kind of brushed by it there, but the fact that he went and go and went and pitched an indie ball for three starts is is crazy and that hilarious. That happened a lot back then. I, I know, I know, it was right, a number it of guys did that. It doesn't happen anymore, right? That 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 was a a, a normal, uh, uh, I guess, part of the of the journey there. Um, I can even top that for you, Jordan, because. Yeah. So, so it basically, like Alex Rodriguez was going to go to Miami, and it was the same thing. If he sets foot in the classroom, he's not eligible. So, so th- that was your informal deadline, right. and you maybe would fudge it, and a guy wouldn't go to class for a day if he was still negotiating. But, but the first guy I remember to just decide, hey, I'm not going to go back to school, was, was Jeff Austin when he was drafted out of Stanford. And do you know what Jeff Austin did? I don't even know if indie leagues were maybe they well, were around the time, but you know what Jeff Austin did to to, to Well well Jim Jim, I, I don't know what year was this and no I don't. So please <laughs> three, I think, Jordan. In what? Um, in what year? 
1998, you would have been three years old. Yes, I, I was three. So I was not. I was not. You look, weren't following I, this. I was. I. I wish I could have said that I was yeah. keeping up to date. I know that you were following closely, but but please tell me what Jeff Austin did. Uh, Jeff Austin sold shoes. He he worked as a shoe salesman to fill some of his time. Oh. Um, yeah, Before he signed for two point seven million the next year, this is, so, this is classic callous right wait here. Wait a minute, he, and he was at Stanford. Because well, if he goes back to school, he's right. not eligible to sign. Right. He oh, sold man. really. He sold really smart shoes. Really he, smart he shoes. Was number four overall pick in the draft, but didn't sign until the following spring. Oh man. Well, and so uh, then they would find it when the indie leagues came into being, right, especially right. if you were a pitcher. You know, like Stephen Drew, I think played, or JD Drew went. Well, not JD Drew went to Northern League, but he was ineligible. He re-entered the draft. I think Stephen Drew might have played in the Northern League for a little bit. Like this, once the independent leagues kind of gained hold, you had that happen until they put in the signing deadline and eliminated that. But I, yes, Jeff Austin sold shoes. That was Jonathan. We did not mention this on the last podcast, but when Jordan and I took in the the the, the historic Navajo victory in the Arizona Fall League, we discovered that Jordan and my oldest son. Are pretty much the same age. I think Jordan oh, yeah. is two months old, and that Jordan wow. went to school with friends. So yeah, so we, we we've learned a lot. But but folks, you're really getting peak Jim Callis here. Recounting. This is really you're, he brought his A game today. And, and and again, again, Jim. I mean, well, now I mean, you've you've already completely just overwhelmed me with with knowledge and and fun facts. Uh, but I was going to say that in 2007, the same year that Max Scherzer made three starts in the American Association. Uh, do you know who led the American Association in 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 pitching wins? I mean, you I'm, I'm going to say I don't think this is really true, but I'm going to say Matt Harrington. Uh, no, the answer is Pat Mahomes. <laughs> nice. Wow, so, very nice. So, so for you, you. I'm you hoping Jim was. I was kind of hoping Jim was right there because that just would have been insane. Oh my God! I, well, I was worried that maybe he was, you know, checking the American Association leaderboards before we we hopped on, but uh, but luckily that that's where that's where I come in. So yes, uh, Pat Mahomes, of, of course, the, the, not the one who's playing football. He's his dad who played uh, several years in the big leagues and then kind of finished. I was one of the last years he pitched in in pro ball was was uh, in the American Association. So there you go. Uh, all right, this has been truly uh, one hell of a podcast journey. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna end it here, but the the fun has not stopped. We have two interviews. Uh, so before we get out of here, uh, Jonathan, why don't you uh, tell us uh, about the first interview you're gonna hear with with Angels outfield prospect Brandon Marsh? Yeah, uh, so Brandon Marsh was a guy like I had never talked to before, uh, actually before Saturday, before the Fall Stars game, and uh, you know just was chatting with him, and then I said, you know, boy, I think he'd be a a, a good podcast subject, and boy was he. I mean, he just, uh, I mean, not only is he immensely talented. Uh, but he it's got tremendous personality. Uh, you'll 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 hear like just the honest answers and he's fun. Um, ironically, we uh, when we recorded the podcast, we talked about how you know power is the one thing that hadn't shown hadn't shown up yet for him. We talked a little bit about that development path and when it comes and things like that. And then that game, he hit two out. So uh, he told me after that game that he needs to talk to me before every game um but it was just a it was a it was a fun conversation about his development uh about and about being in the fall league and about his uh his relationship with uh, fellow outfield phenom joe adele do you know i don't know if you asked him this jonathan do you know who he won a state title at georgia in um in baseball with you know who his teammate was 
Uh, I don't remember. Oh wait, I wait. I think that. I think I know. I think I know the answer. I think. I think I, I can. I can I guess? Yeah, you can guess. Is, is it Joey I, Bart? It is Joey Bart. Very nice. Hey, Nicely hey. done. I, I wouldn't have gotten that if I had didn't pull up his high school. I mean, I I knew that he went to high school in Georgia, but I didn't know that for sure. So all right, well that's there. That's a hell of a team. Are they teammates down there now or no? Or I know Joey well, Bart. Joey out. left because he got hit by yeah. oh. a pitch. Yes, but they were but they were not teammates. They were not teammates. Okay, well. Uh, hopefully we will see them uh, facing off uh, at some point in, in some some interleague action uh, in the future. Uh, so, all right, well, well, you'll hear from Random Archer. You're going to hear from Sterling Sharp, who just won Pitcher of the Week. Um, amazing story that he tells about. Obviously, everyone knows he's got the same name as a, as a very famous football player. So he has an excellent story about that uh, from his time in the Northwoods League, uh, which is very funny when he was playing up in uh, Green Bay Packers territory. So that was very funny. So, uh, But I'll, I'll leave it here. Uh, enjoy these interviews with Angels prospect Brandon Marsh, uh, done by our friend Jonathan here, and, of course, uh, Sterling Sharp, the Washington Nationals pitching prospect. Jim and Jonathan, thank you so much. This has been one of my favorite podcasts we've done uh, in quite some time, and uh, I look forward to doing it again soon. For Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo, I'm your host, Jordan Schusterman, and we will talk to you next week. All right, first of all, Brandon Marsh, welcome to the Pipeline Podcast. Thanks uh, for taking some time out. I appreciate you guys having me on. All right, so... As we record this, uh, not only is there a plane going on overhead, but I wanted to start with talking about the Fall Stars game. Um, it looked like you had a little bit of fun. Uh, just, you know, take me through what that whole experience uh, was like for you. Oh, it was great just being around those guys that were on the field, on both sides of the field. Uh, you know, there were a lot of really good players out there, a lot of good pitching, a lot of good hitters. And, uh, yeah, we had, we had a ton of fun out there just pouring the water on Royce. To the, with the, because of his two-run homer and uh, his plays in the field, uh, just try to make it try to make it a little bit more exciting, uh, you know, just for all the people being there and just for us in the dugouts, just trying to keep everyone up and having a good time. It was, it was really it was super fun, great experience. I mean, all-star games, are, you know, are, are exhibitions at the greatest, and even this league in general. Like I know winning isn't all, but there's a certain switch that you guys have. I think where you get to a certain point, you're like, all right, we, we're here, we might as well. We might as well actually win this thing. For sure, yeah. I mean, especially with uh, what was on the line. I mean, it was it was all fun and games, you know. Whoever won, we would have been fine with with whoever won. But you know, per, for me personally, when I'm out there, I like to I like I go insane a little bit, you know. But uh, not not too too crazy. But just to make sure that just just to keep me up and just keep me aggressive. Uh, yeah, there's definitely 100. There's a switch you turn on and off when you're on the field. Now, is that? How much of that is the sort of football mentality from, from, from your high school days? How much of that do you bring to, to the field on, on a given day? Uh, every day. It, uh, it's carried with me throughout my whole career so far. I think just playing football not only just helped me learn a lot of things, it helped uh, mentally uh, with the baseball side of things. You know, it, uh, a lot of players, uh, they just, they're super calm and collective, and that's, that's great. That's the way they do their business. That's the way they succeed, and I'm all for it. But just for me, it, uh, I, like, I like to be like, amped up. I like to have a lot of energy. And uh, for me, that's, that's, I think that's what helps me play at the, at the level that we're playing at now. It just keeps me, it just keeps me going. So you play with your hair on fire? 100%. There's, a lot, the there's a lot of hair to be on fire. A lot of hair, a lot of hair. After all this is done, it's going to come off, though. It's really? Come off. Yes, sir. But the beard, everything. I don't know about the beard. I kind of dig the beard, but uh, definitely the hair is going to ch- going to get chopped off, and we're going to grow it again next year. You're not worried about like a Samson effect? You cut the hair and 
and, and the power's gone. No, no, usually that's that's usually my thing. Uh, I grow it throughout the year, and right when I get home, I cut it off. Uh, I've never really had a beard before, so that's going to be, I'm going to toy with that a little a little bit this off season. But yeah, the hair's definitely going to come off and continually keep it short throughout the off season. We, we talked about it, but I mean, you were in, in Alabama in August with that thing. I can't imagine it was very comfortable. <laughs> no, it was, it was tough just because it was so humid and so hot. Uh, I mean, it was, there was times where I would shake my head and sweat would just fly out of my beard, and it's very disgusting. And I was gonna, I was gonna say that, but I didn't want to judge. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, it's super uncomfortable and a little embarrassing at times. But uh, no, I, I, I kind of dig it. It's just been, it was kind of my thing this year, and uh, I kind of got to get known for having a beard. So it was, it was pretty cool. Let's let's talk about your year a, a, a little bit. A lot of good things happened, but you also missed some time. Um, how you know how frustrating was that to, to have to deal with injury? Uh, and then how did you you know what were you able to do to sort of learn from that and and then have the success that you did when when you were back on the field? It it was it was tough timing for me just because I started off the year pretty pretty slow in Mobile and uh, just because the the pitching was 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 pretty good man uh to say the least and i got hurt right around the all-star break and that's right when i was just catching like my stride with my swing so that was that was a little unfortunate uh it was bad timing but it uh it actually helped it i think it helped a little bit just because it let my body just reset uh gave me some more energy for the second half of the season and just gave me time to look at video and just to keep trying to perfect little things in the box you know and uh i think it it, it, it put me down, but it, it gave me time to realize and look back on things, what, what things I did bad, what things I need to work on, what things that I were doing okay in, and uh, just uh, completely put some things together. And I think that's, that's what we did for the second half. And then I would imagine you took those lessons and brought them here to Arizona. Do you see a difference? You know, like, all right, I'm actually continuing to do those things, and it's and it's working for me out here. Yeah, I, I think I'm just just trying to keep my head down and uh, just stick to the same drill work that I've been doing all year, and uh, you know, just taking it day by day. Whatever happens today, it's going to be done with by the end of the day, and I'll focus on tomorrow, uh, whether if I'm in the lineup or not. But and. You know, we'll just take just take it day by day. Don't make too 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 big of a deal out of it because that's just when you get overwhelmed. That's when I get overwhelmed when I start thinking about the big picture. So, uh, just really focusing on today and today only, and uh, whatever happens, whatever happens, and tomorrow we'll be ready to go for tomorrow after today. Now they they often say in terms of development, especially for a, for a high school guy who's split his focus to sports. You know, power is often the last thing to come. Um, People have talked about your raw power for, for a while. Is that one of those things you have to remind yourself, like not to try to get out of your game plan or swing out of your shoes too much to, to show that it's going to start to show up? 100%. I, I know that, uh, that that the power is in there, uh, uh, and I don't really showcase it that often. But uh, I th- these past couple of years, I've just been trying to stay within myself. And I know eventually uh, when everything clicks, uh, the power is going gonna, it's gonna to show in the future, God willing. But... Uh, and uh, I just, I like to just stick to my game plan that I got going right now. Just stay gap to gap. If I clip one and it goes over, that's a plus for me. So, uh, you know, just sticking to my own game plan, uh, staying within myself and just trying to do damage to all parts of the park. Do you have to remind yourself that, you know, you can't keep up with, with, with Joe Adele and, and what his, what his ridiculous raw power is capable? Well, Joe's, Joe's a different type of, type of dude, man. You know, it's, 
it's the power has just come so naturally to him and uh he's super fun to watch you know always always on the same field as him uh it's it's been a blessing to be a be a part of his journey as he's as he's been a part of mine and you know it's it's tough to keep up with a guy like joe like you said you know he's he's just he's different man in uh in, 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 a, in a good way and uh you know he's got his thing going on i got my thing going on and i think uh we we work pretty well with each other so i was gonna say it looks like one you keep each other loose although i don't get the sense that either one of you have trouble staying staying loose on your own but together but i would imagine you also push each other um as the sort of tools the athletic outfielders you know even though you know he has more raw power than you do fine but there are some similarities there, there are there are uh both both can run both can throw uh go chase the ball down the outfield and uh both uh, good contact. He just got a little more pop than me. A little more, not a lot. A little more. Got it. Got it. A little. <laughs> no, but yeah. You know, every day it's a friendly competition with him and I. Uh, we push each other in the weight room, off the field, on the field. It doesn't matter where we are. If we're, if we're together, which is a lot of the times, uh, we're always pushing each other just to do better. You know, always trying to pick each other up, keep each other humble, and just it's 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 a blessing to be able to play with the guy like Joe, man. Awesome. So he gets bumped up to AAA. He doesn't hold that over your head at all. No, no, no. <laughs> he, he could, he could, but no. It's uh, he deserved that, man. I mean, he killed it when he came back this year off the off the injury list, man. I wanted nothing more than, more than that for him. I mean, I wanted want everything for him, but I wanted nothing less than that for him to happen. You know, I wanted I wanted him to go to AAA. He deserved it. He was killing it in the Southern League. You know, he was doing things that guys. He was putting up numbers that guys haven't been doing all year you know and he was there for a month and a half two months so you know it's, it was well deserved and uh I'm glad he, he was given the opportunity and you knew you were going to come back here and get to, to play in the same outfield with him yeah, again during yeah. this uh, six-week period which probably makes this all the more sweeter yeah we were texting each other every day man when he was up there you know he is just a couple more weeks man we'll, we'll be back in arizona we'll be we'll be playing together and we're like yeah man just gotta finish strong stay healthy do your thing up there and uh i'll do mine down here and we'll we'll get after in arizona you know what a springboard this league is for guys to get to the big leagues. You've been in the upper levels. You know what do you think you still need to do, knowing it's not you know under your control when you get called up. But what are the things that you've identified that you're like, all right, I need to really refine X, Y, and Z for me to be ready when that call comes. I think for me personally, defensively, I I, I can play. I, I can play. Uh, I can play anywhere if you if you put me there. But. Uh, in the box, uh, like you said, there's a lot. Of, there's some talks about the power and uh, and all that. But uh, in the box, there's a couple of things I can do that I need to do in order to be ready for that level. And uh, and that's what this off season's for. So uh, looking for this off season, working with our guys uh, on the hitting side of things, and just trying to make it a complete package. So that, that's the big plan for me in the future. Last last question for you. I know you said you try not to think too far ahead or too bigger picture. There's a pretty good center fielder at the big league level in your organization. Sure. Um, sure. Do you ever allow yourself just to dream about Mike Trout in center, Brandon Marsh and Joe Adele at the corners? Now, I'm not going to say it hasn't crossed my mind because if anyone was in the position that, like a guy like Joe or myself is in, like we, you would think about it too. You know, just I mean, he's the best player in baseball. So, uh, but. When I got drafted, it was on my mind all the time just because I was young and I was, you know, it was just different to me because I was like, oh, I just, I was watching this guy last year on TV, you know, and uh, it's, uh, 
once, but once I've moved up throughout the levels over the past couple of years, that uh, I've just I've been just more focused on like what I need to do. Like you said, like I know I don't think about the big picture, and I, and I have before to answer your question, but uh, as of lately, I just I got I got to get there first. You know what I mean? And find a way to find out a way to stay there. Uh, so that's that's my big thing. But yeah, Joe Trout, those two guys. They're going to be, the Trout's already a phenomenal player, but Joey's going to be a very special player, and uh, I'm just hoping I'm there with them just to be able to witness all the things that we're going to be able to accomplish. I want to ask you, you know, when you're going to move Trout to a corner and pick over in center. Never. <laughs> Never. That, that is the correct answer. <laughs> all right, Brendan, thank you so much no, for your no, time. No, I appreciate no. it. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me. All right, we are here with Nationals pitching prospect Sterling Sharp. Sterling, thank you so much for joining me. Right. Thanks for having me. Uh, so let's start with the obvious. Uh, your name is Sterling Sharp, which is probably a little bit difficult uh, to Google. So I'm curious, what is the best and worst part about almost sharing the name with a very famous football player? Uh, the best, I would say I was playing Northwoods League my freshman, sophomore summer. So that's Green Bay territory. And very first time I ordered uh, delivery, they went crazy thinking I was like his son or something and they wanted to give it to me for free I was like I'm, I'm just a college guy playing baseball out here I just want some Chinese food oh my so, god that is incredible yeah. that, I never even made that connection right so you were right in Packers territory playing you're for confusing Madison, a yeah. lot of people yeah okay so that was also then and it probably be a not so good part yeah it was good and not right good, so but. so now what is the is it hard to google yourself like what's the what's the most frustrating part of it I would say Google's tough. It's, yeah. it's always a, do you want to search for Sharp with the E instead of, they try to like, correct yeah, you. I'm a nobody right now. So. <laughs> try to correct you. What do you think you have to do uh, in your baseball career to overtake him in the, in the SEO Google rankings? I mean, he made like, what, five Pro Bowls, I believe, College Football Hall of Fame. Yeah, past college, so he got me on that. <laughs> okay. Uh, I guess right now it's six. All-star Six games? All-Star yep. games, and okay. The Hall of Fame. Six All-Star games, Hall of- and Pro Hall of Fame. Okay, all right. Well, oh, we got lofty a lot goals. Of work to do. <laughs> a lot of work to do from the fall league to the top of the Google results. Um, and I guess, well, I, I mean, what, what's the backstory? Was it just like you, you're, you're, you? It was, yeah. Fun, it was, it was another good story. But between my dad and the doctor that was there when I was born, yeah. it was. They were asking my mom and my dad were asking, trying to decide from Cameron and Sterling. Okay. So, my dad asked the doctor what he thought, and he said, Cameron. Okay. And the doctor, or my dad was like, all right, Sterling, it is. <laughs> so, it was like, it was like, the, everything it was like the coin flip where it's like, <laughs> oh, I, you know what you want when you flip the coin, and you're like, oh, I, like, I don't know what I want. Oh, but yeah. now I flip the coin, and I know I actually want Sterling because yeah. you said Cameron. Oh, that's funny. He was probably just looking for reassurance on right. Sterling. Oh, I like that. got Cameron, so he's... At what Sterling. age did you find out that you had the same name as a football player? When you were like two? Like, when did you realize, like... I don't think till middle school. Oh, okay, wow. When I started playing football. Oh, okay, and then they're like, wait yeah. a minute. This is, re- I recognize they all this. They asked, do I, I want to play wide receiver? And I was like, <laughs> no, just give me the ball, let me run. Oh, you're, you're yeah. running back? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, is that before you were really tall? I was still, I think I was probably the tallest one on the football team, on our team. But and you were the running back? Yeah. Because you were just faster than everybody else? Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, all right, so let, let's talk about your, enough, enough football talk. You are a baseball player, uh, and you were drafted out of high school uh, by the Braves. Did you, was that on your radar? Like, at what point did you realize, like, oh, damn, I could be a professional baseball player, even if you weren't going to sign? 
because I'm also curious about this later on uh, when you're drafted out of college, but when did you realize, like, damn, this could be a thing that I could do? I think it was my junior year when uh, I started getting a little notice during travel ball. Uh, we had a pretty good team, South Farmers and Blues. We had probably six, seven guys drafted and are currently, one's retired and for a while now, but the rest of us are still playing. And uh, high school, that senior year, Velo kind of bumped up to around 88, 90, which is decent for high school in Michigan area. And the area we were playing, that, that was lights out. So we were playing, I had a good senior year and we were, I was getting letters that you got to fill out for high school guys. And that was probably the first time where I was like, I might have a shot to play. Right, but you, you were pretty set. Braves take you late, but you knew that you weren't gonna go. Yeah, I just thought it would be better you're... for me mentally and especially physically, I was super skinny. You're not ready yeah. to be a professional baseball was, player. Yeah, not a full season throw. Right. Right, 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 right. About 50 innings in high school. Right. So you go to you go to school, you go to Eastern Michigan, and then was it there's a, a how many two, three schools? Eastern Michigan. Three. Yeah. And then to where? From there? To Drury. To Drury. No, no, sorry, Darden State, okay, JUCO okay. in Georgia, and then yep. Drury, D two in Missouri. Right. So I think uh, people who might look at at your college you know journey uh, and stats, and they look at your numbers at Drury and think. Had this guy get drafted, right. right? So, so when you were not necessarily having the best statistical season at Drury, did you still have? You're still getting looks. You still felt pretty good about it. Like, I, I'm curious how that that season was as like a draft prospect when statistically you weren't exactly dominating. Yeah, I, it was tougher than my sophomore year in the JUCO. It was uh, obviously I had a, I thought a pretty good year at JUCO, and then just things didn't work out. So we went to Drury. And like you said, it just struggled and just things didn't click for me. And I was kind of scared that like that might have been my you missed I, I missed my chance. Yeah. But I had a workout in D.C. with the Nats that luckily they gave me opportunity for. And I think based on how I performed there, they gave me a shot and I'm happy that they did. Okay, so, oh, so they invited you to work. Were yeah. they the only team or were there a few other teams interested? Yeah, they were the only one. They were the only team. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so well, that, that <laughs> pays off. Now here you are in the Fall League. Uh, so obviously the Fall League is, is, is a pretty cool experience to get to do for a prospect. And a lot of it is because you missed a lot of innings this year. But uh, so far, what has been uh, your favorite part about being pitching out here in Arizona? Really just playing with all the guys that you know it will impact the big league right. soon in the next couple of years. And there's, there's so much talent here. and. Off the field, I'm here with my brother and his uh, wife, so they're expecting a baby. My oh, niece wow. will be born soon, in probably two weeks, so we're oh, expecting man. that. Oh, man, that's hopefully okay. Hopefully, she, yeah, she's born before I leave. Well, that's, yes, I know. That's, that's <laughs> convenient that you're out here, but hopefully, uh, hopefully that happens beforehand. Uh, so uh, another thing that I think a lot of people, if, they, if they, they're like, oh, damn, this, this Sterling Sharp guy is pretty good at pitching. You know, Nats fans, they, they find they're like, oh, and, and it's your pinned tweet, I should say, is that you... <laughs> You can you can dunk a little bit. Now we talked uh, before about the idea of a, of a major league minor league dunk contest. I know this is something that you're interested in doing, but before we get to the baseball players dunking, who is your all-time favorite actual dunker? Easy answer, Vince Carter. Okay, number one, not even close. Yeah. Do you have one Vince Carter dunk that stands out in your head? Uh, Olympic jumped over yeah. a seven footer. Yeah, that's pretty um, good. I like the the reverse, like the. Not the normal 360 one, but oh. the, he spins the other way windmill in the dunk contest. Uh, stick your arm in the hoop. Arm in the hoop is, I think, yeah. my. I think that one's underrated. I think that yeah. one is, is pretty ridiculous. Have you attempted any of the? I mean, we've seen again. You could go look if you follow Sterling <laughs> on Twitter. You could see that you could do between the legs. Have you tried anything else crazy? Have you ever jumped over anybody to dunk? Yeah. In a game? 
No, not, not again. again. Close. I, I got a body in okay. a couple bodies in yeah. high school. <laughs> yeah, you got, some, you got some some Michigan high school posters? Yeah. yeah. Okay, all right. So now, who, who else? Who, who else is? Who else have you heard in, in, in the minors, in the majors, you think you take? I know you're confident you're the best dunker in yeah. all, all baseball. But who else? Amir Garrett certainly talks a lot of trash about it. But who, who are some other names maybe that we don't know about uh, that, that could, uh, could maybe hang in a dunk contest? Sneaky name on our team here at the Fall League, yeah. Tillo. Tillo with the, with the Royals? Yes. He, okay. Mr. Basketball in Iowa. He, he oh, can hoop, right. I heard. He was actually a former guest on this podcast. Okay. So he, I, right, he was a great athlete in high school, uh, too. Yeah, okay, I saw so a couple did you, videos. Yeah. Did he like, come to you and say, like, hey, I know you can dunk? But I was Mr. Basketball. He brings it up a lot, but no. <laughs> okay. he, I heard him talking about it, and then somehow his video got oh, so you see put up on. Yeah, I've okay. seen. It's mostly him shooting, but okay. he had a, he got a good good shot. All right, but I heard he's a big guy. He looks yeah. like he can okay. jump. All right, well, uh, the fall the fall league dunk contest. Maybe for the for the fall stars skill competition. Yeah, we got to can mix there. in the dunk contest. Yeah, I mean, who's complaining about that? It's not like the fans don't want to see a dunk contest. Right. right. It feels like it's obvious. Uh, all right. Well, uh, we'll see. Hopefully one day we do get to see you in a dunk contest, <laughs> a, a MLB, MLB sanctioned dunk contest where everyone stays healthy and you, you put down some crazy dunks. If you, if you, if there's one dunk that you wish you could do, like what's, do you, you want to jump over a seven footer? Do you want to do like a, or a 720? Have you ever seen the 720 dunk? I did. Well, yeah. The, the 720, like which the hand was one. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, is there like a dunk that you that you wish you could do, or that I would you... say the Vince Carter, the the three hundred and sixty women, but you're turning the opposite way. Okay, that's okay. that's the hardest one. Do you think you should do the arm in the rim? I, yeah, I think you so. Okay, you make it sound really easy. <laughs> okay. All right, Sterling Sharp, thank you so much for joining me, man, and uh, good luck the rest of the way. Hopefully, uh, you have a niece uh, by the end of the end of yeah. the fall league. <laughs> It'll be fun. Thanks for having me. Awesome, appreciate it, man.